0: Anything that's worth fighting for is worth fighting for. So actually standing up and being, you know, sometimes I think we as people, like, don't want to be the first voice in the room to say something that maybe not everyone else will agree with, but chances are most people are thinking something along those lines. And that's sort of what it took when I came back, you know, being the one person that wasn't afraid to say something. And it sort of started...
2: Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Independent Petroleum Association of New Mexico annual meeting in Albuquerque, New Mexico with my guest, Claire Chase, president of the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and government relations director at Mac Energy Corporation. How are you, Claire? I'm really good. How are you? Pretty good. I got some food in me. So.
0: Always helpful. Hopefully it was good New Mexican food.
2: I had a salad mm. at the level five bar. It's okay. A- good view. Uh, It was beautiful. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. I was just like, don't put me in the sun. I will fry.
0: (laughs) As do the rest of us. I know. Sunscreen's our friend.
2: Uh Uh-huh. So before getting into it, I wanted to please ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review on iTunes and I'll read it on the air. Claire, let's discuss how you got started in the oil and gas industry.
0: Yeah, I would love to talk about that. So I was born and raised in the industry. My dad has been in oil my whole life. And so some of my earliest memories of spending time with him were going out on location. You know, when you're six and seven, I don't feel like you remember a ton, but what I have the clearest memory of was going out on location with the big shaker trucks, you know, that, you know, said do, for seismic work. And he would take me into the trailer and show me the printout. And it was like these long papers with black and white squiggly lines. And he explained anomalies and, you know, it was like just such a clear memory that stands out in my mind that like from then on, I was just really passionate about the industry.
2: Wow. That's very few and far between That people, you know, I'm, I also grew up in oil and gas, you know, fourth generation and I, and, you know, my dad worked offshore. So that, that's, that's yeah. super cool. I wish I had that experience growing well, up.
0: Well, especially for us as women too. Right. I mean, yeah. like, I think not a lot of us saw that and decided to take it on as a career.
2: Right. Right. You know, cause it's kind of dirty. I mean, right. you know, I mean, but, in, I, mean I was in a the tomboy. best way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So
0: so, Absolutely. so you
2: started off there.
0: Yes. And then I went to, so I went to school here in New Mexico, at New Mexico State University, went to work around here in Albuquerque and Santa Fe for a little while, and then decided one day to move to Washington, D.C. Why? Um, just, it was just, I cashed in my retirement and like packed up all my stuff. I didn't have a job. I just literally woke up one morning and was like, I think I'm going to go. And I had spent some time in D.C. with family and really loved the city. So... I went and ended up working for the congressman that's from the southern half of the state, or at the time he was the congressman, and worked on his agriculture and natural resource portfolio. So I got back into the industry that way and then happened to randomly meet my husband in a meeting who happened to be from Artesia, which is 45 minutes down the road from where I grew up. That's crazy. Yeah. It was the weirdest confluence of events that's like ever happened. And so when I moved back to New Mexico, I went to work for his family's company and they're the largest family owned independent producer in New Mexico.
2: Wow. That's, that's quite the story and we haven't even really gotten into it. So
0: No, it was just, it was clearly like a path that I was supposed to be on, I think, you know, like it's the best way I can explain it. And it's so funny because I don't really think that way in general, you know, I'm pretty logical and pretty, you know, like I feel like everything that I do tends to have a reason behind it that is logical. That makes sense. And so to just be led somewhere feels very strange to me, but it worked out that way and I am like, couldn't be happier.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. So now that we've established where you started, let's talk about some of the challenges. I mean, that had been hard for you to just go, I'm just going to follow this path, right?
0: Yeah. Right. It is. And it's interesting because I think in thinking about getting back to New Mexico and sort of getting back involved in the industry. What that required at the time, so I think I was 30, 31. And, uh, you know, I'm 36 now, so not very long ago. But when you're living and working in the most powerful city in the world, you have a lot of opportunity open to you. So to actively choose to come back and very much limit what I was going to be able to do, you know, was a pretty big risk. Yeah. And as a woman
2: Mm -hmm. in the industry. Exactly.
0: Especially in this state, which, you know, like it's I, being in both politics and in oil, it's both male dominated industries. So yes. Kind of knowing that it might be a struggle when I came back. It was, you know, like it was, a, it was a tough decision, but I mean, I could not be more fortunate in how it worked out and with how far I've been able to come since coming back.
2: Wow. So, so now that we've gone through all that let's talk about what your current roles now
0: so w- as government affairs director I do all of the political work for Mac energy Corporation so I do you know like I think about our policy you know like how we want to advocate for things that will affect us and then also you know like how we interact with the people that make those policies so whether it's administrative or legislative and then with Namoga, with the Mexico oil and gas Association that was actually kind of a funny also with ipnm we didn't I I'm the immediate past chair of this board for this association as well. And what I had learned in D.C. was how to fight. You know, I mean, I would mind the boss. Well, I guess so. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> the man that I worked for was just, I mean, a phenomenal person in terms of like really standing up for his values and the things that he thought was important. He kind of taught me how to do that in a way that was effective, I think. And so when I moved back and started looking at the industry and where we were and what was happening to us sort of in the political realm... I just didn't feel like we were in a very good position to defend ourselves, much less, you know, make any headway in, you know, changing our public perception from, you know, not the most positive to being, you know, actually positive. And so it's been, it's been a really good five years. You know, I sort of elbowed my way into two boardrooms and then for some reason they keep letting me like (laughs) come in and make decisions. And so it's been really good. IPM I think is doing amazing right now. You know, like our new executive director, Jim Winchester, who's been on now for two years.
2: Yeah. I actually had him on a couple of episodes ago. So yeah. yeah, Great interview. Wonderful guy.
0: Great guy. And he's doing great things with this association. And then we brought on a new executive director at Namoga as well. And that's been probably three years now. And he's just doing amazing. And so I feel like now we have two trade associations that are really hitting all cylinders and actually fighting for this industry that is so important to the state of New Mexico. So it's been a really good, you know, it's been a really good ride.
2: Yeah. And it's it's not just important to New Mexico. It's important to the entire world because, of, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here on these chairs right now or talking on these microphones without oil and gas. That's
0: right. So. Yeah, listening to this podcast on our phones.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, in our phone. in our car on, on a you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, any other issues you faced you want to talk about?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know, I, you know, and I don't know how in New Mexico it's sort of interesting because we, the oil and gas industry, funds one third of the state's general budget. Oh wow, yeah. I did not realize that. Thirty five percent. Yes, it's incredible. So, New Mexico. There was a study last year done. I think of the Western producing states, and we'll have to, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think I can provide the study, and I think it's pretty whatever I'm about to say is pretty close. Of all the Western producing states, New Mexico takes the most advantage of having this industry. So, in terms of fees, taxes, royalties, that sort of thing, they really leverage the industry higher than any other Western Western producing state. So that just means that we, you know, sort of pay more to do business here, but that's okay because it's the per man. Yeah. You know, like sort of the darling of the industry at the moment and New Mexico. So by doing that, we end up providing 1.2, 1.5, sometimes $2 billion to the state in terms of general fund revenue. So, you know, without us, there's not, you know, there's not, there's not much of a future for New Mexico. And we did not, you know, like people weren't understanding that when I came back from DC. You know, I don't, you know, the, our public perception was not the best. It was, you know, we had done a really poor job and I think this is probably true industry-wide, Yeah. but we tend to focus so much on what we're doing, which is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, creating this product that is, I mean, something that's, you know, been amazing for, you know, human flourishing for a long time. And, you know, we would just sort of let the narrative be told for us by people who maybe didn't support us. And so now what we've been able to do both with this association and with NAMOGA is sort of change that and actually talk about our story, you know, which is incredible. And so I think it's been, you know, I think it's been really good. I think people now understand the importance of the industry to the state and that, you know, of course, we want to operate responsibly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, and be good neighbors. Right. And all the while sort of making sure that we provide what's needed to the state of Mexico in order for the state to succeed as well. So it's
2: pretty great. Wow. That just kind of changes everything. I, I didn't realize how tremendous the entire industry is just in this state. Yeah. That's wow.
0: That's a hundred thousand jobs. I think that's how we, yeah, it's a hundred thousand jobs in the state of Mexico. And, and, and can I have the link to that study? I, yeah. yeah absolutely I'd be happy I'll put, to provide it. Yeah.
2: I'll put it in the show notes. So if yeah. anybody wants to read it and yeah, check it's it out.
0: Pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, I, yeah.
2: I want to read it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: Well, I think something that I've learned in working in sort of the two industries that I work in politics and oil, is that anything that's worth fighting for is worth fighting for. So actually standing up and being, you know, sometimes I think we as people like don't want to be the first voice in the room to say something that maybe not everyone else will agree with, but chances are most people are thinking something along those lines. And That's sort of what it took when I came back, you know, being the one person that wasn't afraid to say something. And it sort of started.
2: And not behind your computer.
0: No, like actually having conversations with people. Yeah. And especially people who matter. It's it's, whether it's in a boardroom or just having coffee with somebody. Yeah. I think it's important to just say, you know, this is what I think and this is what I feel and this is, you know, how I want to make this change. And uh, I mean, at least for me, perhaps I've been lucky, but I think that I think it's a lesson that's sort of. Really carried me through my career so far. Hopefully, continues to carry me into the future. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Mm.
2: What book influenced you the most and why?
0: So it's funny. I have a three-year-old twins. Oh my! Yes, it's a handful. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Three. Yes. Oh goodness. It's that's a really fun age uh, for people that don't have kids. Three ages. The 3 nature phase is so real. And so last year, as I was transitioning actually off of IPM and into Namoga. I thought it would be a really great time to take on Alice Shrugged, because I'm crazy. And it it ended up though, I I was like so proud of myself because I actually got through it. Yeah. And that actually turned out to be the most impactful book that I think I've read, and I'm
2: a pretty avid reader. I enjoy, you know. Did John Thomas get you to read that? I,
0: did he talk about it? He talked sure about he it. Yeah.
2: No. He. Yeah. We yeah. have
0: these conversations about all the time. <laughs> so it was actually not John Thomas that got me to read it. I don't even remember how. You know, it's something that's been on my list for a long time, but it's so long, it's such a big book that it's sort of dedicating the time to read it. You know, I, I just had never really done that, and. I decided last year to go ahead and do it. And I've never been so glad for, you know, taking on the decision to read a book in my whole life. Because I just think it was really, I mean, you know, if you've read it or if you know anything about it, I mean, the lessons that you learn are pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into it. It Just based off, he reads it every year, apparently.
0: What he said, which I don't know how he does it. You know, he's got. He's an engineer. And got (laughs) kid number five on the way.
2: I know. I know. I know. (laughs) His poor wife. I told her last night when we were at the thing. I was like, I am not jealous, but have fun. They're really <laughs> enjoy cute. them while they're little.
0: Yes, yeah. Because then it'll. I know, and they get to be three teenagers, and it's like all hard.
2: Hmm. At least it's mostly boys.
0: Yes, I know. <laughs> I know it.
2: <laughs> so, what's your most used business
0: tool? You know, I think. Sort of in the, my job is so different though from like probably most of who you talk to in the industry. You know, I don't do a ton in terms of like operations or, you know, strategy, A and D. I don't really do much of that. I primarily focus on politics. So for me, it's relationship building, you know, like making sure that I continue to talk to everybody that I can, whether it's, you know, the people that we work with in the industry, whether it's regulators, grassroots. It's, yeah. It's all, that's what it all is. And I mean, I think once we as an industry understand that, but, you know, like we have to continue to tell our story and to reach people in a way that we haven't before. I think we'll find that some of our, you know, some of the things that that the stories that have been told about us that aren't true will start to change. And so that's kind of, you know, it's just. You
2: know, I hope I, I hope I'm still alive to see that. But me too. You know? Yeah. But, you know, everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got a keyboard and everybody likes to hide behind stuff. I know.
0: And, and they like to spin facts in a way that they're no longer factual, but it's fine. Like, I think just sort of making sure that we don't give up, right? Like, I mean, it's easy to get discouraged, but, but, you know, I think it's, I, here in New Mexico, we're seeing a shift. And so hopefully we can take that and, you know, translate it nationwide, maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or globally, even. Even better. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if this is necessarily applicable to you, but who would you say is your most respected competitor?
0: Yeah, it's not, I mean, because I don't work on the operations side of the business. I don't, you know, like I don't deal a lot with that. And we tend to be a company that gets along with everybody because we're family owned we've been around a long time. The impact of the business in the community where we operate, you know, is pretty significant. So, I mean... When I get into a boardroom with the people who would be my competitors, it's never like in a competitive situation. It's always how are we gonna do better for this industry? And so I think that's really great. You yeah, know, that's like,
2: almost unheard of in, in a lot of other
0: industries. Yeah, I think so. And so and I am sure there's competition. I mean, no doubt. But at least here, I think we find that we work really well together as an industry. And so it's been really nice to be part of this, to be part of this group. Cause I, you know, like just the the amount of knowledge and experience and I don't know, work in the Permian that a lot of these guys have done is incredible. And so I always am so lucky to have the opportunity to learn other sides of the business that I don't get to experience every day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's your most important lesson learned? And I know this is probably going to go back to your advice that you gave to our audience.
0: Yeah. Actually, no, that's exactly right. I do think I always I think the one like I could circle back to one moment. And it was when I was working for the congressman in Washington, D.C., I'd only been with him for two months, and we were working on an issue that the leadership didn't really want to address right at that exact time. And my boss was like, Yeah, I don't really care because it's the right thing for New Mexico. So we're going to do it anyway. And I said, Okay. And so he took me down to the House floor during a vote. It was a, it was an amendment that I had drafted and worked on. And we thought we had it. You know, like we were, so, the vote lost, we lost by four. Well, we lost our amendment by four. And for me to have been, you know, like a 30-year-old who had been in DC for like five Must months, have been and I was my rush Well, I was, but it wasn't, it was like the experience was something that was so amazing, right? So if you've never watched C SPAN and I, I mean honestly, I have. I okay. Well, um, that's I'm impressed because
2: I was a campaign manager for ah, uh, so yeah.
0: Okay, so you get it. So if you watch the votes on the house floor, it's like a crazy like flurry of activity. You have four activity, four hundred and thirty-five members that are running around, you know, like casting their votes and I'm helping my boss pull all these members aside and have these conversations. You know, he's having his own. I'm having my own. It was just something, you know, when I came back from that, it was that I had learned. I mean, that is when I internalized the lesson that if it's worth fighting for, it's worth fighting for. And if not for that experience, I don't know that I would be so passionate about, you know, like standing up for what's right and standing up for this industry. And so I think that would be like that one moment and learning that one lesson. Like, I think, you know. I don't know that everyone can look back to to the one moment that sort of changed the way that you see things or changed how you, you know, move forward in your life. But for me... Did you know at that point that that was a... A little bit. yeah, You know, just having never been in a situation like that and understanding that not only I could do it, but I could hold my own was definitely an eye-opening experience as a young woman. But you must know? have
2: been proud because, I mean, only four yeah. votes.
0: Yeah, especially working against leadership. You know, yeah. like that's, you know, that's... It was... It was an experience for sure.
2: Yeah, I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, even now looking back, I'm I down Don from Alaska. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I see you on TV. Like I can't believe I'm actually having a conversation with you about a land transfer you know, like, of all <laughs> things.
2: So why is your role now important to the future
0: of oil and gas? When I came back from DC and I was sort of looking at the future of the industry in new mexico well, i realized that our like, like i said before our trades i don't feel like we're really standing up for us and what ended up happening is my husband and i had the twins and their future you know both my family and my husband's family are in oil and gas in new mexico so their real future i mean like you know it is this isn't just some some you know like idea that's out there for you know for me Their future depends on the success of oil in New Mexico. And so that, having that motivation makes it easy to fight for. You know, I don't know that not, I mean, not everyone has that same connection, but I think people see that genuine passion from me for the industry and it makes it easier to then stand up and, and, you know, get in the fight when we need to and, you know, make sure we're communicating the right message and doing the right things. So I think, you know, for me, standing up and being a leader and making sure that, you know, people know that that it's an industry worth fighting for hopefully makes a difference in the future. I think it will. I think it's going really well. I think we've done a lot in the last three years.
2: I think we've done a lot as a whole industry in the past
0: five. Oh my gosh. The well, technology. The, I mean like I know. Since
2: the downturn, I think yeah. every I think it just made everybody even closer and and it brought everybody together in in our industry. Yeah. I Even though some agree. of them some of them, them had to leave, I you know, know, because there wasn't anything, you know, for yeah, them.
0: but that's the thing about American competition, right? Like yeah. the beauty of our American system is, you know, exactly. like, you know, you, the ones who are smart stick around, you know, the ones who aren't sometimes have to step back and you know, it makes the industry leaner and better and more advanced every day.
2: It it kind of helps it change a little bit further and advance as far as technology goes mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. we still have engineers like john that <laughs> like to play around in you know excel I, you know
0: it's like a hobby right yeah i mean i just couldn't imagine doing that <laughs> although when i'm talking to politicians it's like i don't know how you do that either so we all have our place right yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. what's
2: your favorite podcast by the way
0: you know i have to think of, yeah i'm terrible at listening to podcasts i am so like and as I, so I was born in 83, right? So as a, like the first generation millennial like the very first, but I was just recently listening to one. And I want to say that it was George Willis. Is that a guy? Does he narrate? It's like a history podcast. Oh, I was listening all about World War One. I. I know. I'll I, love, I
2: love stuff like I that. I know.
0: Well, and you know, like I just, I mean, we, I've been traveling a little bit more internationally lately and I don't think, you know, like in looking back and what I learned about you know, global history in school. I just don't think we learned then, them enough.
2: No, we didn't. And, and and half of us wanted to just go to sleep anyway. I know, right.
0: I mean, I just we need to redesign the way that we teach these subjects. But another project for another day. It's uh anyway. I lo- it's a history podcast. I was learning all about World War One because I had just been in the Balkans and I like didn't really recognize the Say
2: George Willis.
0: Yeah, it might not be that. I can
2: look because I want to put a link in the show notes for everybody. I they're awesome. also interested.
0: Oh, Dan Carlin. Hardcore history. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. George Willis. Jeez, my brain. <laughs> it's all that driving, right? It is. <laughs> I do have revisionist history and serial, of course.
2: Yeah, everybody's got serial. I'm, a, I'm more of a Joe Rogan fan, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and because I'm a podcaster, I, I, I can't spend too much time listening to podcasts. So I actually watch him on YouTube. Oh, yeah, it's just better. easier. Yeah. yeah, I just can't. I can't. You too get much. burnout. Yeah, I know.
0: So, I, well, and I end up I do. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. That was That's you know, how I got through Alice Shrugged. Was being able to both read it and listen to it. Okay, when I was good. Driving. Yeah, yeah, New Mexico's big state, so spend a lot of time on the road, and so it was helpful to be able to do both yeah but yes and sometimes i listen to podcasts and so yeah i started on the world war one and it was really interesting to remember you know all the things that i had forgotten about how
2: it's like a little refresher
0: yeah it was great that's good
2: yeah i'm probably gonna listen to that later yeah so
0: i mean i highly recommend it he tells it in a really good way
2: i like good storytellers
0: yes yeah it's all about the narrative
2: exactly thank you again for joining me claire people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Moga or your company? How can they go about doing that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go online www.nmoga.org or Mac, which is I think www.mec.com. And then you're on LinkedIn, right? On LinkedIn, on Facebook.
2: Well, I'll just put your LinkedIn profile on here so everybody can reach out to you that way. Yeah. On a more professional level than a personal. Absolutely. So
0: all right, I mean, Facebook's only full pictures of my kids. So.
2: <laughs> if you want to see Claire's twins. Yes. <laughs> your own on my face. private profile. Yes.
0: <laughs> they're real cute, but just keep in mind they're three teenagers and they're not as cute as they look.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I understand completely. <laughs> All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now, here's the events on deck.
3: Okay, before heading into the events on deck for July, I have a few OGG and announcements. We moved our happy hours to quarterly. And so the Houston and Midland happy hour will be in sometime August or September. Be on the lookout for the date to be announced. And we are launching our Denver happy hour on August 29th from four to 6 p.m. All the details are below. And now let's move on to the events on deck. We have the Argentina oil, gas, and energy summit 2019. That's July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. The link is below. Then we have a happy hour coming up on July 23rd. It's the Intentional Networking Oil and Gas Happy Hour at the Houston Zoo. This is hosted by Equilibria, NOV, OGGN, and Flutura. And a portion of the ticket sales will be going to Redeem Ministries, a local charity to help human trafficking victims. You can sign up below. Next up, Mark, Jake, and Paige will be speaking at the 2019 IP A&M annual meeting, July 24th and 26th, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is addressing operators' needs in 2019. Sign up below. The Desk, Derek, Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual Shoot for the Future Clay Shoot is July 26th in Decatur, Texas. Sign up below. And last but not least, Summer Nape is coming up August 21st through 22nd in Houston, Texas. to where the deals happen.
1: Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.